Out Loud Podcast with Wendell Miguel. All right, so anyway, we're with you again. We were kind of dancing and piggybacking on what we said last week and if you didn't listen to it go back just and want listen. to encourage you to listen to it it'll be very good and we really want you guys to communicate with us to see if this is kind of ringing in your spirit at all anyway this is wendell i'm mark and this is dub and we're with with you as always um actually we're just going to come out swinging today i'm not going to do the normal two minute dance around we're actually just going to jump right into it um just what we were talking about last week with the um, semantics and, you know, I, I just brought up the statement that semantics are not really a necessity if you, you have relationship with the person. Because if you have relationship with the person, you sh- they should know your heart. So you might say a word with a different um, inflection that's, than someone is expecting. But you're definitely, if they know your heart, they should be able to get to the bottom of it. And you, if you mm. need to explain it, you should definitely explain it. And that's, there's nothing wrong with asking. However, you need to know each other's hearts. Like if someone if someone's preaching, if you know if you're part of their church and they're saying something and you know their heart, you know what they're actually preaching. If you, if you have no idea, you got to be a little more clear with your you know wording because as I say, anything's a semantic argument. Let me go back what semantics is real quick yeah, just for ahead. a second. Semantics basically is a word that you can define, that you might define differently than someone from else would define. From your from perspective. Your perspective yeah. Not necessarily of another's, but from yours. Exactly. So therefore, you know, it, if you know somebody's heart, you don't really have to worry about that quite as much. Or at least you'd hope so. Right. But you still need to have enough relationship to question because yeah. you still can get misunderstood. Because you should be able to question it, it especially if you're in a relationship. Okay, and that's the whole point. And, and, mm-hmm. and I'll just share this. Last week, you know... Uh, I'm a father to a lot of people all over the planet, but particularly in a church where I was doing a conference last week, and one of my spiritual daughters was kind of giving me the, the, uh, the uh, stink eye. Well, just <laughs> just kind of putting a shield up, and I yeah. and I picked it up, and I said, "What's wrong?" And she kind of wouldn't answer, so I just went and prayed a little bit more because she loves me, but I could tell she wasn't communicating as usual, so. The next day when she came in the meeting, I grabbed her and hugged her, and I caught her off guard, and she started to cry. I said, what's the matter? I said, how come you're so stiff with me? How come you're resistant? And again, this is kind of semantic. This is a mm-hmm. different type of semantics. She said, well, the last mm-hmm. time you were here, which would have been six months ago, was when I was at that particular church. Long time to hold a grudge. <laughs> well, it really wasn't. What did she what happened was is I walked up to her, and I could see she was troubled about something, and I just patted her on the back and said, Get over it. It'll be okay. And then I walked out. Well, when she finally came clean with me, she said, I was offended because I just wanted a daddy's hug and I didn't want to get any correction. Well, I didn't mean that for correction. I was wanting to set her free, but that's a semantic. Mm-hmm. She, My expression was I was encouraging her to go on, and she took it as rejection because she was a sweet gal, wonderful gal. But what what happened was she had perceived that I was not loving her like I normally did. And so for six months, she had let that brew wow. until mm-hmm. she talked to me. And then, bam, the wall came down and everything's all right. And that's another mm-hmm. kind of semantic. It was yeah. the way you express yourself. And unless you know somebody, she would have stayed mad at me. And most people leave churches because they get offended and don't have enough relationship 
to talk to them. And they leave families, do all kinds of things because they don't talk it through. Right. So that's semantics. We are also used to some some leaders who are not open to to actually having a conversation and dealing with at least our our what we're personally wrestling with uh, as well. And and so so uh, you know it, it's kind of hard. I mean, it's just in a relationship. I mean, you know, being married is different. You, you there's some issues that that quite frankly you know you'd like to, re- to handle right at first, or or you think mm-hmm. think that your your partner has. Uh, an understanding just because you're married, but at the same rate, I mean, <laughs> it's not completely understood. There's two different perspectives. Well, let, let me say this. This is why there's a 50% divorce rate in this nation and in the church, because we're not opening up to each other as we should be so that we can understand where each other are coming from. Okay, now here's the real fact. This is a fact. Okay. The divorce rate is actually 30%. 30%, okay. Now, that's not to correct you. That's mm-hmm. what all the media is saying. That's what they're putting out as a, as a fact. The truth is it's 30%. Now, does that make a difference? Yeah. It's, there's a lot of stuff that's miscommunicated yeah. that we presume we're in a lot worse shape. And mm-hmm. 30% is a whole lot better than 50%. But 30% is a whole lot worse but than 30% is way too much. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, that's just a little point fact. Let me just put a little couple of little thoughts here about some great heroes that were greatly misunderstood in their day. And one of them was a man named Smith Wigglesworth. Mm-hmm. There was a guy that had semantics. He was uneducated. He was he did not go to Bible school. He did not get trained in any kind of theological background, but he got touched with the presence and the power of God. And he had more miracles during his day and probably influenced many of that day's leaders who have influenced our days, even myself. I was greatly influenced. I just loved the stories of Smith Wigglesworth, he was kind of a radical. He was kind of like me. Um, it's not uh, it's not ministry 101, but there was stories where he'd go and hear the Lord say, hit him in the stomach, you'll knock the infirmity right out of him. Now, you better hear God if you hit me in the stomach because I'll hit you back. <laughs> right. But, 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 but here's the deal. He did kind of crazy stuff like that, but he made a statement that kind of stuck in me, and he said this. He said, remember the people who throw the stones of criticism and accusation will be the very stones that God will use for you to build a kingdom house. And uh, so I'm just saying all the things that's happened to you by miscommunication, by heartache, by hurt, by pain, they'll become the very bricks that you can build a foundation for a new day. And that's where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. That's why I am so thrilled to be living now because I feel like it looks like everybody, all the all the doomsdayers are saying it's over, and God's saying, "No, we haven't even got off the starting gate yet." Right. And uh, you know, when I, I did a did a conference, and we're going to stay with this theme, but I just want to kind of lay this groundwork down yeah. on semantics and why it's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody asked me, said, "I want you to share about a half an hour about what your passion is." Well, I can't even see my name in a half an hour. <laughs> but, but we have a show but, that's forty-five minutes, yeah. so you go figure. But 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 bottom line is is that. I started thinking about it, and, uh, you know, I I love the fire of God. I love the prophetic. I love ministering like I do. I travel all over the country and all over the planet. But, But when I started really thinking about what my passion was, here's what it was. It was being a father. It was being a father. It was being a father. And all those other things are growing out of what I call the 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 trunk 
of my passion, which is being a father. Now, when I first started hearing, when God told me, and I don't think I've ever done in a show the testimony of when the Lord spoke to mm, me. No, he, I don't think so. He, he had asked me, you know, what is it? Uh, there was a great prophet. Uh, some may know him and some may not. His name was Paul King, but he was in our city. And actually, I was part of those that invited him. And I was sitting on the second row in the church. And and uh, he was a guy that I'd witnessed in other meetings. Um, again, I didn't have any semantics for this. Light bulbs blown out of a building. There was so much power. There were he was calling people out in other buildings when I was in the other building and describing them perfectly, and he couldn't even see them. He was a real, the real deal prophet. That was, you know, our semantic of an Old Testament prophet was there guys bring judgment, but a New Testament prophet brings hope. That's the difference mm-hmm. between Old and New Testament prophets. Anyway, I'm sitting there and I'm saying, Lord, I'd sure like to have him give me a word. And, uh, and I'll tell you honestly what I said. I said, I'd like him to give me a word just to prove everybody how gifted I am. I'm just being honest. That's how we all think. I want people to know who I am. This Human was a few nature. years ago, huh? Human nature. Human nature. And uh, all of a sudden, the Lord said, okay, I'll have him give you a word. And then it was kind of silent. And then he said, see, people don't think God talks to you. I hear guys even say that today. God will talk to you. Well, that's just foolish. God's talking all the time. Yeah. You've got to learn how to listen to his frequency. It's semantic. That's a semantic. You've got to learn to his, listen to his frequency. Some think it's just read the scripture others know it's the still small voice and others think you got to have mm-hmm. lightnings and doors flying open all those things could be but not necessarily but anyway i'm sitting there and, I'm, and the lord was kind of quiet he said well i can have him give you a word or how would you like to give me a word would you rather have a word from me and it shocked me and i thought wow lord you know i'd rather have a word from you and the lord said okay i'll grant you your heart's desire he said, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. Have you ever heard this before? Yeah, I've heard this before. But I don't think we've told it on the show before, have we? Uh, I don't think so. But if I have, yeah. it's still relevant to where I'm yeah. going to go, where I'm going to go with this. And this is, this is what, he, what he said. I said, Lord, okay, I thought I'll be like Solomon and have the right answer. Solomon's answer was, I want wisdom. The Lord kind of laughed at me. He chuckled. He said, well, I could give you that, but that's not really what you want, is it? Because the Lord knows our hearts. And I said, no, Lord, and I, I got quiet for about another five minutes. And all of a sudden, I started thinking, what do I really want? And then I kept seeing my dad's, my earthly dad's face. Because my dad, if, you'd, if you've never heard my story, I love my dad. He was a first Christian in four generations. I put a lot of value in my walk with Jesus because my dad stood alone in his whole family and won the whole family to Jesus. But I looked at my dad's face. He fathered not only me and my brother and sisters, but he fathered all of our friends, which we thought was normal. Which the fact is, you, I've never seen anybody else do that. I have. You do it. <laughs> well, with you. And I do it too, because I saw the model with my dad. With my dad, my dad gave me his inheritance, and I love my kids' kid. If somebody was valuable to my kids, they were valuable to me. Now, and I said, Lord, I just want to be like my dad. And when I did, I felt the love of God. It was almost like the Lord just overshadowed me, and I, and I fell to the floor, and I just started weeping for about 45 minutes. And the Lord said, it's finished. And when I got up, there was a line of people that I'd been ministering to for many years around our city and actually other cities that were at this particular conference. And for over an hour, they stood up, and they said, thanks for being a father to us. And that was several years ago, and that's never stopped since. It's, it's, it's like I meet people and they know because that's what drives me. God gave me my heart's desire. Now, I'm saying that to say this. See, 
that's where everything else is driven from. It's from where your passion is. Mm-hmm. And when you and you'll learn how to make your semantics to where other people can understand them. And when the Lord told me that I will make you a father, when I told some people that were very close to me that I only asked the Lord to be a father, you know what they said to me? They were ex-Catholics. Again, this is nothing against the Catholic Church, except if you think that the Pope is God. I respect him as a man, but he's not God. And uh, but, but here's the deal. See, they think in the Catholic Church, when they say father, it had to be to a pope. And when I started saying that, they thought, well, we're, you're not a pope. We're not going to call you father. And I had to re-explain what that really meant. And what it really meant was I care for you, and I want to help you, and I want to be there mm-hmm. when you don't have anybody else. I want to be a voice of wisdom in your life. Anyway, that just started a journey for me. And, of course, the prophetic, I'm an encourager. I love to encourage I love the fire of God. I just love the fire of God. But it all comes from being a father. And then, and then I remembered the scripture that says, in Malachi for you Italians, and Malachi for the rest of us. Uh, I, I, spoken I, from an Irishman. Speaking <laughs> spoken from an Irishman. Malachi 5, verse 6, and it says that God would turn the hearts of the fathers that, and he shall turn and reconcile, I'll use this as from the Amplified, and he shall turn and reconcile the hearts of the estranged fathers. Mm-hmm. In other words, they don't have relationship. They don't, they're, 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 they're only by somatic of father, but not by relationship. Fathers to the ungodly children, the hearts of the rebellious children, to the piety of their fathers. A reconciliation produced by repentance of the ungodly, lest I come and smite the land with a curse and ban of utter destruction. Now, the, actually, the King Jimmy says that God had turned the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the children to the fathers, they won't be stricken with a curse. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to tell you what my definition of the curse is. It's not about keeping you from destruction. Your destruction is when you don't have destiny. Your destruction is when you don't have relationship with a father that tells you you can do anything. You have no hope. You have no hope. Hope is what the root and the core of faith is made of, is mm-hmm. hope. Without a father, you do not get that hope. You do not break the curse and you'll be destroyed because you have no sense of destiny. Like I said last time we talked, if you've got a group or a people or a party or political party that's giving you nothing but destructive resolve, you're in the wrong party. You need to be or the wrong group that's giving you hope. That's what a father does. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what I sense that God's been doing. And then you know, the Bible says that, that God did give me a heart of a father. And then I realized when all these other people and all these other sons and daughters, and like I said, see, women can be fathers as well as men. If I can be a hairy-legged bride, women can be fathers. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the deal. Uh, see, I realized that a lot of those sons were like they were adopted. Sons, true spiritual sons, pursue fathers. Mm-hmm. Fathers don't have all spiritual sons. They have some. But if he's a real father, he'll see the ones that's pursuing them, and then he will love them, give them a sense of destiny and purpose. All right? So that's what motivates. And, and, uh, you know, the Bible says we're adopted sons and daughters. And the word adopted there doesn't mean you're a secondhand citizen like some would think. In Scripture, what it meant from Jewish culture, a natural child, I think we maybe have discussed this before, a natural child can be written out of a father's inheritance, but an adopted child never can. They cannot be legally taken away. And the Lord, by saying that, was telling us there's nobody can take your inheritance away. Again, that can mm-hmm. be semantics. 
Adopting can be a semantic if you don't explain. Um, that's why I'm explaining this mm-hmm. with what the way I see it. It's not a secondhand child you're just picking up because it came with a woman you married. It's somebody that God gave you to give a sense of destiny to. And then Jesus said, I only do what I see the father doing. Now, if you're a father, you're an image to a child, how to recognize destiny by the choices and the positions a father takes. So that part in semantics mm-hmm. is, is not the destructive fathers that we have in this hour. See, we've got to change this fatherless generation. Right. And we've got a lot of young men and young women coming up that's going to father thousands. It's because they're becoming an image that they can follow when they can't see the Father in heaven. Now, let me give you a little clue here. If you've got a good father in the natural, it's not hard for you to hear the Father in heaven. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a father on earth, it's difficult for you to hear the Father until you have an encounter. My dad, um, you know, could hear God real well, but my grandpa never could even say he loved him until after I led him to Jesus at 79. And my dad was a father that I can't remember a day he didn't tell me or my children, I love you. Can you remember it? No. Never. Because he realized out of his lack, he became rich. Yeah. And, um, and our hearts get changed. And uh, if you've if you got a good earthly dad, then you'll have a good relationship with a mm-hmm. father. If you don't have a good earthly dad, then you need to find a spiritual dad that will give you destiny. Okay, now, can, go can, ahead, Can son. I stop you there, actually? Okay. And because this is so important because we... You know, this generation is called the fatherless, fatherless generation yeah. because there's so many guys that father children and are never their dads. They're bi- biological, bi- not, but not relational. I, I say even, either way, I mean, they're there. A lot of them aren't even there. How do how does somebody find, like you said, you? It's, it's for people to pursue the fine fathers. How do they find a father? Well, and I think that's an important question because that's. Okay, let me give you a little definition, then I'm going to ask that question back to you. Okay, but see, everyone, let me read this scripture. It says, 1 John 4, verse 20. It says, everyone who believes, this is again out of the Amplified, adheres to, trusts, and relies on the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, is a born-again child of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him, his offspring. Now, again, that's a scripture that's pretty clear. If you want to know the Father, you first get a relationship with Jesus. And when you, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Mm-hmm. All right, now, one of the ways you discover a spiritual dad is to see the one who mentors or disciples you or loves you, gives you wisdom, encouragement. You may not even have a sit-down relationship, but a lot of the fathers that I received throughout my journey were men that I loved the word that they preached, and I said, I'll take that. See, a father's given inheritance. Anyone who's given you a measure of inheritance, now inheritance isn't not necessarily money, but it's life skills, Mm -hmm. life hope, Mm -hmm. life sense of destiny. And uh, when you find one, you need to find one. Everyone, I always challenge people when I'm teaching this, try to find, who's the one that speaks into your life the most? Who's the one that you trust to speak into you for good and even for correction? Now, if they're just correction in that alone, they're not really fathering you. Mm-hmm. But you got to have someone in their correction has love saturated in it to get you pointed to a sense of destiny or correction or perfection. Mm-hmm. So what I'm going to say is you got to find one spiritual dad that you know 
Usually, one way to spot them is to see if there's a lot of other young people that, that honor and respect them, mm-hmm. or older people, as far as that goes. I mean, I got sons that are older than me. But uh, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but you got to see someone that you trust, that's got, that got character, they got value in you, whether they see you personally, but you can hear it out of their out of their message. Well, this is this is the messaging, like you know, turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons, and the sons to the fathers. So, so part of this is even even in your perspective right now is 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 as the father. And and here's the thing. I mean, before before I became your son-in-law, you were my spiritual father. And how did you discover that? And so how I discovered that was. Um, by some massive handprints on my chest <laughs> that that when that happened and I, I'm just going to say you're prophesying to me and when that happened um, all of a sudden to be honest there was something in me that's like I just want to receive what what he's got and as I um, every time it wasn't the fact that we went and had coffee every single every single day of the week that wasn't what happened what happened is every single time I was in a meeting and you happened to be there and we just happened to cross paths, there was a, a fathering moment that happened. We would talk about the prophetic. We would talk about each other, talk about Remember life. what I said was attached to the fathering? Yeah. The prophetic. Yeah. And the fire. When I touched it, it was the fire of God. Yeah. It was all about the fathering was the end result though. And what happened is, is I mean, that was a hook. And and then and then next thing you know, here we are, and and I'm just, I'm just feeling encouraged in that what my, you know, what my destiny is and what what I'm what I'm working on, it's okay. What I'm doing is okay. And I, I think sometimes we don't like. There's a point of reference here: fathers, fathers and sons, and sons to fathers. And there is a there is a out of balance that happens when 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 we don't have fathers. Mm-hmm. See what happened in the Jesus movement, which was the last real wave of awakening in America, was that the only ones that got saved were other sons. They were sons trying to mentor sons. There was no fathers in that generation. There was a few, but not very many. Yeah. Now what we're seeing is all those sons have grown up without fathers, and now they're be coming the ready-made fathers for this generation that's already starting to come in yeah. what you what you you have by the way mark you have a great dad i was too. just gonna bring him up i mean I'm, i mean i'm my dad douglas macarthur is uh, he tells me that's every, a good name it is <laughs> he tells me every the general the general. the general right and and that's his nickname i mean you know and 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 he's He's a father to many. He's not just a father. Yep. He t- he is not afraid to tell me he loves me. And when I make a mistake, he's not afraid to tell me he loves me. Mm-hmm. He's also not afraid to correct me when I'm off balance. You know, the Bible says if God loves you, he'll chastise you. It doesn't say he's going to beat your brains out. Right. It says he's going to find a way to turn your direction, like it says in the Amplified, into repentance. Like, son, I've noticed how you do. Your sons are all different. You correct them all differently. You don't mm-hmm. beat their brains out like I did you and your sisters. But <laughs> I needed it. <laughs> then I really didn't do that. But I'm just being a little evangelistic there. But uh, the, the truth of it is, you know, you, you, if you really love your child, you're correct them. Even when you get older. Mm-hmm. It, it's harder when you get older because you you've turned your relationship from a child to a, a, a man 
that's still your child, but they're a man. And so you, your relationship changes, and you don't want to violate that relationship. But anyway, so son, what's your definition of that? How do you find uh, um, spiritual fathers? Because I know you've got other spiritual fathers. Th- th- this is really my be-all, end-all, and I know it's it'll be weird or whatever for some people. But if I can sit with that person, and they don't have to talk, and that this is something that me and you have always had, and you don't have to talk, and you're just encouraged because you're with that person. That's a dad to me. Okay. Now, see, you said something that I had in what I was sharing is when you guys saw the, the power of God and the prophetic come on in me, mm-hmm. and I asked you and your sisters, what word do you want me to have? You remember what you told me? Mm-mm. This, this, this is going to blow your mind. I never forgot it. You said, Dad, we don't need a word. We'd just like to sit in your presence. Boy, that's humbling but it's profound. That's what a father does. He can sit in your presence and you can feel courage and peace and comfort. And it's not, it's it. not a replacing with God thing no, or an no. idol worship or anything else, but it is just everything's okay. Well, a father is an image. An earthly father yeah. is an Im- should be an image. Some fathers don't know how to be a father. Well, look to see what the father is supposed to be in heaven. And see, Jesus modeled on earth how we could see what the father was supposed to look like in heaven. And he fathered all of his disciples. He fathered them all. If you look at it, he fathered every one of them. He fathered the women that pursued him. He didn't become a husband, though one of them wanted to be a husband. And there's stupid theology that's saying, you know, he was married and all that, but it don't say that in the Bible, so I don't believe that. Here's the deal. I just feel like, you know, when you get that father image, there's there's a positioning of destiny that gets released in you. And a father's number one mandate. Have you can tell they're really a father is when they aren't speaking, they're speaking into your destiny. Because that's the inheritance they carry. They carry a sense of validation and affirmation for your destiny. Yeah. And see, most of the church has been flip-flop because they don't have that. They, they get enamored from one preacher who preaches good messages good four-point poems and then they'll say something ticks them off and they're off they don't have relationship they don't have a father a father they stay with because they know they're always going to encourage him just like you were saying mark you see i don't even realize i do that it's just something that i saw modeled from my dad Mm -hmm. my dad always every i mean my dad mentored politicians cops he was every preacher's friend he was every preacher's friend because he would defend them even when they were wrong. That's and what not, I saw. And then. not because he was going for position. He was My dad never wanted a position. Yeah. But the, he always got it because he was a man of honor. Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel like a father should be, a man of honor. He should be one who, who's not, not afraid to take a little heat when it's not popular. Uh, so, I, I don't know if that's answering your yeah, question. Yeah, that does. Uh, yeah. You know, I got another question. Okay, so... so I was just thinking about the the story of the prodigal son. That's something that that actually always that hit home with me as I was reading because I was one. And I think about the actions of a son, and I think about you know sons sons with their fathers tend to um, even if they got a good one, they tend to push the limits and go go on a, a try their own journey they try to define themselves and if you've got a good father there's you there's a comfort in that 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 journey and uh and you know some of us tend to be the prodigal that 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 goes away and then there's uh, also a tendency for for the son to stay and and 
and stay next to the father through through thick and thin and, and, and what it is. And I love that story because it's like a definition of just two, two perspectives in, in a reaction to, to fathers. The, I mean, I love that story because it comes back and both of them love the father. And uh, the journey was a little bit different. And I, and I, and I just sit, I'm, I'm just wondering, what is the, like, the, what does it look like for the sons to turn their hearts to the fathers? In, and I, and I, I, I'm getting this and I understand even the process that I went through. But but I'm even I'm, I'm even wondering, I don't know if there's anything with that story that, that you want to reveal or, or say, but I, what is that? Here's the point. When a son loves his dad, first of all, he knows his dad's going to accept him just how he is. And that son presented himself just like he was with pig stink on him, filthy, yeah. with mm-hmm. mud on him. But he understood his father loved him beyond measure. That's how, what a real father does. He'd love you even in spite of all the garbage you're carrying. But he, you know, it was a shame for a father to run after a son in that day. It was a shame for him to pursue him when a son had left. And that father showed the image of what a real father does. He breaks the expectations of a culture and runs after his sons. And he embraced that son and restored him to the to a better place than he was, even though he had squandered his inheritance. That story, to me, the miracle wasn't the son coming home. It was the father. See, this is why the father is important to me. It's why we've got to raise up a father generation. That father kept looking for that son in spite of him. And he was gone a long time. They, I've heard scholars say he was probably gone between three and six months, maybe a little longer. But can you imagine being there every day looking for your son? to come down the road. And there the day shows up because he wants to make sure that son has the courage to come into his inheritance. That's what that story's about. It's about coming back into his inheritance, even though it look, and that's actually, that's even a picture that shows a real inheritance isn't about money and about land. It's about the destiny that a father can release to you when you get back in the father's house. And that's what happened to that son. There was a celebration when he came back in. And I'll tell you what, that, that, that scripture and even that prodigal son story, it's also a story of when you get true fathers and sons, it'll expose the, the, the displaced hearts of those who look like everything's all right. The displaced heart of the other son who showed his jealousy and showed his anger and showed even his discontent with his father. He wasn't really a son. He was only there for the inheritance, in my opinion, there for the inheritance. He didn't stay there because I, maybe there was a little bit of the honor there. The fact was it exposed in his heart when the father showered that son with everything he didn't deserve, the other one got jealous and cursed him. And, and I feel like God's trying to build that relationship of father and son to expose those who look like everything's all right. There's a lot of people sitting in the church. I walk into churches because of the gift that God's given us. I can see people that everybody's celebrating and applauding has got everything right, and there's something wrong in them. And, and most of the time, I'm, I'm, I'm right. I won't go up and say you're wrong. I just wait and I pray for them, hope they don't fall. But they do, and you do the same thing, son. Mm-hmm. You could walk into a church 
And that's what disillusioned you a lot as a preacher's son. You saw all the hypocrites that everybody was patting the hands on and looked like they had all the favor when there was a wickedness in their heart. I feel like God's really restoring the hearts of the fathers to the son to get see and even the semantics thing i know we started with that it seems like it's off but this is all about it a father brings clarity of understanding to different ways of thinking the prodigal son had a different way of thinking than the son who stayed in the house the one who see i think the one who left was the pioneer was the breaker he knew that there was more he just didn't know how to embrace it and he took made a wrong decision but when he came back to the father's house, you don't see anywhere else mm-hmm. where he ever failed again. And he brought honor back to his father's house. I show other scriptural pictures, just like the picture of, of Jacob and Esau. You see Jacob and Esau, the, that, that whole story. I'm not going to talk about that whole thing. But the interesting thing was, as much as Esau wanted to murder his brother, when they got restored, that son who honored his father, even in his deception, Esau... You'll never see had one more bad encounter from that day on. There was peace in the land when he embraced his brother, even though mm-hmm. he had a, had every reason to hate him and kill him. That's a pretty interesting story. People don't see that part of the story. Because before that, Esau was always a man of war. He was always warring. After that, there was peace. And it was that Jacob, because he remembered his father, even though he deceived his father. When you see that story of Jacob, it was his mother... There's a lot of prophetic significance there, but the story of Jacob, his mother told him to supplant his brother Esau, who was the older brother, who had the rightful inheritance. Mm-hmm. But see, Jacob was never at peace for those 21 years he was out of his father's house because he had deceived his father, even though his mother had told him to, because I think his mother is a type of the bride that saw that Esau didn't value the inheritance, didn't value the destiny and Jacob proved that he could value the destiny because he honored another father you can see that Jacob loved his dad by the way he honored Naaman he honored him even in the deception because he stayed faithful and God made him prosperous because he turned the heart of a son to the father which when he wasn't in the land of his father uh, before that 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 uh, Ishmael, or not Ishmael, Isaac. Mm-hmm. When he wasn't in Isaac's house, he was in Naaman, and he knew how to honor him as a father. See, so and that's what I'm saying. Once you know how to recognize a father, then you, you'll discover him everywhere. And the Bible mm-hmm. says we've got many teachers, but not many fathers, which means God's going to give us multiple fathers because one father can't give you everything you need. You need you need measures of inheritance from a lot of different fathers. And at different points in your life. At different points of your life. That's exactly yeah. right. Am I off, off subject? No. Because I would say we're constantly changing as people. And you're there, you do need to find a father for different points in your life. Because those who can um, feed you when you're young can't always feed you when you're older. That's exactly right. Some can transition. And I know, I know that's kind of speaking metaphorically. No, but, no. but again, it's about semantics too. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about that. I mean, we kind of. I wanted to kind of put this focus of fathering, because it's what what makes me want to explain with my grandsons or with you. I want to stay with you long enough that we can understand. We're seeing from a measure of the same perspective. You know, you can. You know, I used to take people through ministry, and 
and say, well, you've got to hold up a, say, for, I got a coffee cup here and it's got a label and got contents on one side and the name of it on the other. And I'd say, describe what you see. And the one that could see all the contents would tell me, that's what I see. Well, would you die to, for sure that that's what you see? Yeah. And then I'd ask the other person on the other side, we were all they see is the name of the cafe or the, or the restaurant. Who's right? They both are. What's got to happen? They got to change position or change their perspective or readjust their somatic. Look at it from a different perspective. See it from the other person's point of view. Then you'll understand. Is that explaining that a little that does. better? And uh, yeah. anyway, so, you know, I feel like, um, you know, this, this whole deal about fathering and semantics and stuff, without a father, you, you're always going to be confused. That's why we've got a whole generation of people who's following a new age kind of thinking and humanistic thinking because they got no fathers. We got people leading the country that's not fathers. They're, they're, they're educated, scientifically only minded. I honor, I value science, but that's not where the end authority is. The end result is in the Spirit of the Lord, in the Word of the Lord. That's where it is. So, um, you know, um, Scripture says old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions. You know, the fact is, without a father, you won't get a dream. And without a dream, you won't get a vision to see your destiny fulfilled. A vision, when a son catches a vision, means there will be a creative power usually that'll get them in a, in a round table, maybe culture, that they'll fulfill the vision. The dream of a father who many times is beyond his years of strength to see it fulfilled will give it to his sons and they will see it manifest. And if we throw away the fathers, then we've thrown away the vision. That's why God's got to restore the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children to break the curse. Because it's all about inheritance. That's why I'm, I hope this is making sense. I'm yes, not it talking. Because see, the inheritance is the end result. And you can't have an inheritance without a father to give it to you. God the Father can give it. I always hear people say, well, I don't need any earthly fathers. I got God. Yeah, you do. And that's true. But the fact is you're telling me that you don't have relationship with people on earth. And Christ died for the people on earth not just for you to go to heaven, but he died for the people on earth and you're supposed to discover who's God's spiritual fathers or natural fathers. Just like your dad, you know, when I met your dad, we just had an instant connection. And we just, and I think that's why you could identify with me because I remind you already had a good dad. So you could identify with me as a father and embrace that because you had a good image. It wasn't hard for you to figure out. And like you said, son, it's hard for people who don't have fathers. But it's like what you said, one who can sit silent and, and, and you feel strengthened and confirmed and one who will speak blessing into your life and one who cares about you. Mm-hmm. And again, they don't have to necessarily sit at the table. I mean, I get a fathering spirit off, off of politicians. But I say, man, I'm going to receive that. That's part of the inheritance that some of the fathers I have, I can't get. God wants us to be rich, man. Yeah. He wants us to be rich. He wants us to be lacking in nothing. We don't get that all from one person. We get that from a round table, from a community of understanding what true fathers, not just somebody that puts the label, but somebody who functions as a father. Does that make sense? It does. Um, something I actually kind of do want to throw in on that just because it's something you said earlier and um, I've seen people go really wacky on it is before you do find fathers in history books in just from your um, listening to different people speak or whatever you need to have a personal um 
maybe not, I'm not saying biological, but you have to have a personal relationship with the father. Because I've seen people go very, very wacky because they've perceived what these fathers have said that is completely off the wall. Yeah. Yeah, and that it's, it's uh, really important to have that personal relationship. I'm, you you know, have I go back to, to have. A lot. I'm going to tell you, I really think it's stronger now than ever. You got to have personal relationships with real fathers on earth before we'll really be a kingdom people mm-hmm. that'll be a round table of change yeah. that'll release inheritance to children who have no fathers. Once we start showing the models, I mean, I'm really seeing the fruit of that, and you are too, son. You're a good father too. You've got, you do the same thing. You used to pick up every stray in the country. Yes, I did. Yep. And bring them home. And, but, but that was part of fathering. He's, yeah. That's part of the fathering in him. Well, and, and, and uh, today's leadership um, uh, models, uh, or the old model, is is one of developing a system in which, uh, in which you know, which we, we try to get it through the system. And, uh, you know, I... I it's it's hard to listen to a system and actually feel any connection, and uh, and I got you know I love your model dub of just can you can you sit next to the person, not even have to say anything and get something from them, mm-hmm. you know and 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 feel that heart and feel that love and understand that there is a difference that is something that is that is a part of what and who who we are and I and I you know I I think about think about people that have tried to connect me through their system and i i, I always see just, what do you mean by system well i mean by the fact that here's our point here's our here, here's who we you're are connected here's with an organization rather than an organism there it is corporations are not human beings that's right and that's how right. we've made many of our churches mm-hmm. we've made them corporations and not family encounters right families are headed by fathers most yeah. pastors need to take a fathering image yeah not just uh, a spiritual label. I, I got to honor somebody right now. Um, Mike Lighty uh, is is a great great friend of mine, and uh, when I when I came back and and really just uh, had that encounter uh, with the Lord and and came back and I, you know, what really launched me is the fact that we would just call and hang out and and, and I remember him talking. I mean, I I've. I gotta admit, I never read through the Bible, and uh, up until like all the way through for myself, really get get a get let it be burned in me. And uh, he didn't even tell me to go do that. It's not like he here's our system, go through. Well, he's this is a man our of the word. word. He loves the word. He Every loves time the I'm word. With him, he's in the word. Exactly. And so what happened is he he was talking about um, you know uh, the burning bush, and and I went well, oh man, well I don't. I don't really know about Moses and the burning bush and what what happened. Well, I was father like, should make you hungry. And and so he he's saying that I was like I don't know about that. And I was like maybe maybe I, he goes well maybe you should just read it. <laughs> I said you know I I don't really don't even know the story. And he goes I don't know man you'll figure it out. And that, he didn't tell me go do anything, but he was a, he was a father because he just kept on he he was saying was on his heart. He was sharing that. He gave and me his inheritance. He gave me his inheritance because what happened is I went ahead and did it. And uh, all the way through it, as I was reading, it took me a while and because uh, I'm pretty busy. And uh, what happened is by the time I, when I got done, there's just a, a miraculous amount of things that happened. But that was, that was my journey. That's what I, but that was all spurred by, by my friend being a father. Can and see, just friends can be that. fathers. 
People that are close that are even of our own peers can be fathers. They're carrying the spirit of a father. Right. We're the same age. Well, like, you know, um, I'm not going to mention two names, Skeeter Thompson and, and David Kenworth. We've always traded spots of being fathers to each other. Always, our, our whole lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're, we're the same age, and but we've always had that kind of relationship as well. Yeah, yeah. But see, it's because you both understood what a father was, and you mm-hmm. can see how to step into that image. Again, no, this, they were practice. Huh? They were practice growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, see, let me let me uh, read another scripture. It's 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 Proverbs twenty two verse six, and it says, "Train up." This again, how the amplified. It says, "Train up a child in the way he should go, and in keeping with his individual gift or bent." And really, that word there, bent, means where they're leaning into, and it actually means where's their passion. I started out they talking to about this passion. My passion was being, a, I wanted to be like my dad. My dad, I'm telling you, there's nobody, I had the best dad in the world, but I can find, I got lots of spiritual fathers. In keeping him with the individual gift or bent, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And and that's our thing as a father is not to train him up in our cloning, is to train him up in their gifting. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've always told you, son, you've learned that scripture well. You've trained your kids all different, they're all different. If there's anything fathers need to know is not to make a clone, but to discover the gift in your children. And that way they can steward the inheritance you give up well and multiply it. So um, anyway, that's that's it uh, for that part. Um, okay, uh, you know what? Fathers release destiny. I keep saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I want to read one more scripture and then I don't know where we'll go from there. Maybe we're just about done here. But um, I want to read, um, if I can find it here. It's it's a scripture I heard a long time ago, and it's stuck in my spirit. Let's see. And here it is. It's Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31. 13. Verse 13. And it was a scripture I heard, and again, this is going back to fathers. I was in a meeting before we saw anything before Toronto or any move or anything was happening in the city we were in, which was Reading. And um, I caught this word a long time ago from a man named named um, Larry Lee, who had a great Larry. church. Uh, he had a failure later on, but he had a great church in Rockwell, Texas. Right now, Rockwell, Texas has got one of the biggest Muslim leaders in the world. But in that day, it was a it was a uh, it was a mecca. I mean, they built a whole city around this church. You had to they had cops leading people in to to the church. It was magnificent. Anyway, I went to that church visit. I went to a conference there, and he and he shared this scripture, and it just stuck in my spirit. And uh, because we saw all this happen, I mean, I love this whole passage of Jeremiah thirty one. I'll just. Let me, let me start out with this first part here, and then I'll just skip to verse 13. It says, at that time, says the Lord, will I be the God of all the families of Israel. A family is headed by a father, and they will be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found favor in the wilderness, place of exile, when Israel sought to find rest. And you spoke to that. See, this stuff's all in Scripture. Remember I said facts are one thing and truth's another. The Lord appeared... Uh, from of old to me in Israel saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you and continued my faithfulness to you. Uh, This is the God of love in the Old Testament. 
And, and this whole passage is this. Again, I will build you and you will be built. O virgin Israel, you will again be adorned with your timbrels, small wet-headed drums, and go forth in dancing chorus of those who make merry. Uh, again, you will plant vineyards upon the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and make the fruit common and enjoy it. And there shall be a day when the watchmen of the hills of Ephraim, the prophets, shall cry out, Arise and let us go to Zion, to the Lord our God. For thus says the Lord, Sing aloud with gladness for Jacob, and shout for the head of the nations on account of God's chosen people. And that's not just the Jews of Israel. That's us as believers. Proclaim praise and say, the Lord has saved his people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north and gather them from the uttermost parts of the earth. And among them will be the blind and the lame, the woman with child, and the one who bears the childbirth together, a great company. They will return here to Jerusalem. This is all a prophetic promise of a kingdom hour. This is a kingdom passage. This is the hour we're living in. God's not any respecter of person. He's getting the lame, the pregnant. The, the, the people who's been abandoned, they're all coming together. I love this passage. I can tell. <laughs> oh, they will come with weeping and penitence and for joy, yeah. pouring out prayers for the future. We talked about prayer. You see all this is going, I will lead them back. I will cause them to walk by streams of water and bring them in a straight way in which they will not stumble. For I am the father to Israel and Ephraim. Israel is my firstborn. We're God's firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O you nations, and declare it to the isles and the coastlands far away. Okay, and then let me just skip, skip down um, to verse 13. Uh, let me go to verse 12. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion and shall flow together and be radiant with joy over the goodness of the Lord for the corn, for the juice of the grape, for the oil, and for the young of the flock and the herd. And their life shall be like a watered garden, and they shall not sorrow or languish anymore at all. That's, a, that's inheritance. That's a father's inheritance, all that stuff. Now, here's the scripture that I that I spread all over Reading. I gave it, actually, I gave this word to my friend Bill Johnson when he was still in 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 Weaverville. Uh, Weaverville, and it struck him because I felt like that word was for us. Anyway, this is what it was. It says, Then in that day of the Lord, then will the maidens rejoice in the dance, the young men and the old together, for I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and make them rejoice after their sorrow. I will satisfy fully the life of the priest with abundance of offerings. Share with him, and my people will be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. And I feel like that was a prophetic promise that God gave me over 20 years ago that we're starting to see manifest. Yeah. And we're seeing fathers that are carrying that good news. If they're not carrying the good news of promise, and this Jeremiah was was the doom and gloom prophet, by the way. Mm -hmm. He was the one who laid naked for years in, 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 in sorrow and heartache for Israel. And yet he writes this in the midst, in the midst of a promise that he saw was going to happen. And that was for this day. And semantics. See, this, this is pretty clear. We was talking about all this stuff, but this has addressed everything we've been talking about for the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. and, it's and see, this is also about worshipers. We had one session where we talked about worshipers. Without worship, we won't be able to gather to hear the voice of the Lord, and we won't gather around fathers. We've got to be in a place of worship. God is just restoring everything back to the church. And, uh, and again, it's about us spending time together in relationship mm -hmm. to make sure we don't misunderstand the words we say because of semantics. And we begin to spend enough time to clarify what we see from our perspective. 
And a true father won't condemn his son for the way he sees things, but would rather be reposition himself to be able to, to understand where he's at and then grab his hand and bring him to his point of view. Does that make sense? It does. So, and then we actually have to we have to yeah. put a pin in. I'm sorry. <laughs> this has been another good show. You know what? If, even if no one else listens to these, I'm glad we do these because I get a lot out of them. Um, everyone is bad podcasts. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Can't can't agree more, man. This is this is. Uh, I'm getting blasted over here, and uh, I hope everybody else out there is too. And uh, so I'm just gonna actually just throw this out. Would you would you please write in? Would you please write in and just just tell a story about how that affected you, or or if there's something that's there, we we'd appreciate that. Yeah, even that, a, even a question. I mean, yeah. I know we raised a lot of questions here. We didn't answer everything, so. There it is. Yeah, and you know, we don't have to read it on the air. We will if you say if we if you ask us not to, we won't. But it's really encouraging when we get letters. Um, anything, it's awesome, and that's um, Living Out Loud Podcast at Gmail dot com. And until next week, I'm Dub. I'm Mark, and we release the Father's love. This is Wendell Papa. God bless you, and have a good day ahead. This is the greatest hour we could ever live in. Hey, thank you for listening to the Living Out Loud podcast with Wendell McGowan. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can email us at livingoutloudpodcast at gmail.com or search out Strings of Many Waters on Facebook. Be blessed and we'll see you next time. The show you've just heard is part of the Streams of Many Waters podcast network. 